Okay, I will admit off the top, did not party a lot for New Year's, did not really have anything going for the New Year. Uh, The reason why we were basically MIA for the last couple of days, just got busy. I know, New Year, it's supposed to be a time to relax, a time to have a day off. Days off are kind of not a thing, and when other work is needed, I guess you can say, it kind of takes the forefront. So with that, I do apologize that we have not been around the last couple of days, or not. I should say that I have not been around the last couple of days for us to do a podcast, so that is my bad. Alas, we are here. It is 2020. It is officially a new year, maybe a couple of days after the fireworks have already happened, but alas, we are here, and I welcome you to the first episode of Locked on Golden Knights in the year 2020, Friday, January 3rd, 2020, to be exact. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice, NHL columnist for Gaming Today. I feel like that that is terrible of me to not mention my third title, which is NHL columnist for Gaming Today, which for those of you who don't know what Gaming Today is, Gaming Today is one of the largest uh, gambling publications in the United States uh, based here in Las Vegas. So if you have an interest in sports betting, you are more than welcome to visit GamingToday.com and check out all of the coverage that we have, especially coming up soon with the uh, the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. Lots and lots of details if you are interested in betting those big games this weekend. But welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. It has been, again, an eventful couple of days, um, and we are back today to discuss what was one hell of a game last night. The Golden Knights are 3-0 and on this homestand. They have won three in a row overall. And they have finally defeated the Philadelphia Flyers at home for the first time in franchise history. Now, before we get to that, it's a new year, but we still have the same housekeeping items. Uh, This is the first time you are listening to this podcast. First of all, welcome to you and happy new year. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you may get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you like sending emails, because emails are fun too, you can also do that, LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So back to this game. Uh, there's only one way to summarize what in the world happened last night. And it is the, I really the five greatest words in the English language. As we, uh, as we prepare on this Friday, John Merrill scored a goal, which is five words. I can't count because clearly math is not my strong suit. Not only did John Merrill score a goal, fourth line forward, John Merrill 
scored a goal. That's it. That's the podcast. Everybody have a good night. Um, but John Merrill, fourth line forward, scored a goal on a night where Max Pacioretty scored twice, on a night where Marc-Andre Fleury got just enough help to get another victory, on a night where the Golden Knights killed one of the most ungodly penalties I think I've ever seen. More on that momentarily. After all of that, after all of that, the Golden Knights defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 5-4 at T-Mobile Arena on Thursday night. Three wins in a row. 3-0 and on this homestand. And how can you not feel good about this win if you're a Golden Knights fan? Because now here they are, the Golden Knights, 23-15-6. Still atop first place in the Pacific Division despite wins from the Canucks and the Coyotes uh, earlier or later in the night. We'll discuss those when we go around the league in segment three. But the Golden Knights got more than enough contributions offensively to offset allowing four goals and nearly blowing a three-goal lead, which is, you know what, in this case, given the fact that you've had ample amounts of trouble facing the Flyers in your own barn the last two years, you take the wins any way you can get them. And a little bit of the high-scoring side, a little bit of the uh, the bad defense uh, side, a little bit of uh, terrible goaltending here and there. After all that settled, the Golden Knights won 5-4 to four against Philadelphia. Their very first win against the Flyers in their home barn, which really should not be something we should be celebrating at this point, but alas, you know, we are. Uh, Max Pacioretty, another two-goal night. I, I mean, what... What more can we say that has not been said about Max Pacioretty? What what more can we possibly say that has not already been said to this point? Uh, He still leads the team in points. He's got 17 points in his last 12 games, 8 goals, 9 assists. He is clearly, right now, to this point, he should be the last man in for the NHL All-Star Game, which is still the dumbest thing, but you know what? Given the fact that we are here in this current times of All-Star voting, we might as well. I mean, to be fair, we could be looking at this and realize that the NBA All-Star voting is just as bad to this point. Um, But huge night for Max Pacioretty. Shea Theodore had a goal. Cody Glass scored a goal from one knee, which was absolutely spectacular. But all of those goals paled in comparison to one John Merrill. John Merrill scoring a goal as the fourth line forward. And to be fair, I say this as he scores that goal. But Gerard Gallant has notoriously said multiple times he is not a fan of going 11 forwards seven defensemen unfortunately that was going to be something that was unavoidable i i suppose would be the best way to put it uh tomas nosek did not play 
um, due to his wife giving birth uh, to their baby boy, an adorable baby boy, I should say. So good old Nozek was out for this game. And in a late scratch, in what was probably the more surprising one, Jonathan Marshall lower body day-to-day, did not participate in warm-ups, did not uh, participate, uh, you know, for the... Basically, yeah, he did not participate in warm-ups, is what I was trying to say. Um, and he did not participate in practice, is what I was also trying to say. I mean, trying to get the words out here, guys, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you just hope for the best, and if the words just pop out, they just pop out. Uh, did not practice yesterday, did not take part in warm-ups yesterday, or tonight. Um, yeah, really weird situation. Uh, team spokesperson said that uh, Marshall is day-to-day, so it's not really anything that, I guess... We should be fearing about, but because of those two out of the lineup, uh, Gerard Gallant had to go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, and he g- decided to go with the seventh defenseman with one John Merrill, and he goes out and scores the goal of his life. And yet, despite all of the offensive action that we have discussed in the last couple of minutes, it was the biggest sequence of the game came on a penalty-killing situation where the Golden Knights killed a 6-on-3 for 45 seconds, then had to kill a 6-on-4 for the last minute of the game. They do that all with their top penalty kick, penalty killers really in the box. I'm talking about Derek Anglin and Riley Smith, two of your top penalty killers in the box. They go out, kill the penalty, and the Golden Knights hang on to win their third straight game and improve to three and zero on the homestand, which is perfect timing because the St. Louis Blues, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, are coming to town on Saturday. Again, one o'clock puck drop for that one. So if you're planning on getting there, make sure you get there at the right time. It is going to be an early game, and the goal because of the uh, Fortress Invitational that's been going on for the next couple of days in T-Mobile Arena where the, where the college programs will get a chance to show their stuff. So a uh, big game, obviously, on Saturday between the Blues and the Golden Knights. The last time that we saw the Blues uh, was in St. Louis, and the Golden Knights had really a chance to kind of, you know, Golden Knights really had a chance to win that game. When you think about it, they were up, I believe, what was it, two to one, and then St. Louis racked off like three or four straight goals, whatever the whatever the number was, and they ended up losing the game in St. Louis. Now we'll see how they do. They're back at home. Um, should be a very interesting game. Should be a very entertaining game. And if the Golden Knights can win this one, it might start. Uh, might open some eyes for some people. I mean, I know Colorado took them to the woodshed last night. We'll touch on that also in around the league uh, later on. But, man, the Blues are still good, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with on uh, on Thursday. So, Or on Saturday, I should say. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. This is where we are at this current point in time. Um, so, again, big, wing, or big game coming up for the Golden Knights to take on the St. Louis Blues. And we'll try to win their fourth straight and fourth overall when it comes to this homestand. So I had a 
plan of kind of talking more about John Merrill um, in the first segment because that goal was just absolutely wonderful. I, I remember seeing the lines coming out last night, and I was just like, you know what? If he were to score, that would just be the greatest thing ever. And it turns out he did. We all had a good laugh in the press box. It was absolutely fantastic. John Merrill, fourth line forward, scoring a goal. It, it was unbelievable. Um, really, in this time for John Merrill, he was really a healthy scratch. He was thought to be a healthy scratch for the five time for the fifth time in eight games. And when you deal with a situation where you kind of have to pick and choose which defenseman best suits your lineup for that day, it can get, it can obviously be a very tricky situation. And fortunately, I, well, I guess not fortunately, but for the golden Knights, the fact that they've been able to get John Merrill and Nick Holden in the lineup for the last few games has definitely been a big, huge boost for them. Um, Obviously, that comes at the expense of Nick Haig not being able to play, which I think you'd rather want your 21-some-odd-year-old defenseman playing for you uh, in order to uh, in order to kind of balance out the entire uh, defensive zone equation. But for Merrill to deliver in a role that he said himself to Stormy Bonatoni after the first period that he has not played in 13 years. He, he had to go back to, you know, junior time when he was uh, playing forward. And even then, I don't know if he scored any goals. But John Merrill, obviously very excited after having one of his biggest career moments uh, on Thursday night. I know playing with those guys, you just got to get to the front of the net. And uh, Wazi made a good play and, and wrapped it around and just fortunate the puck popped right on my stick. And, uh, you know, I think it just blacked out and, and tried, to, tried to get her in as best I could. But you say you blacked out. I was thinking who had more fun on that goal, you or the bench? I don't know. The boys were pretty excited. That's what, that's what happens when we don't score too much. And what was hilarious is that what happened when I walked into the locker room after they started letting us in, and I go into the locker room. There is a giant scrum around John Merrill. So I did not touch that whatsoever. Um, but the first person I did see was Max Pacioretty, and he had basically an empty uh, an empty scrum around him. And the first thing I did when I went inside, I was like, well, you know, score two goals. Nobody wants to talk to you. He started laughing, and uh, he said, he said, uh, that that he prefers it that way. So, um, if you can score two goals and you don't have much people, if you don't have many people talking to you after you score two goals, uh, I think you'll take that most of the time. And Max Pacioretty definitely very complimentary to his teammate, who definitely lit a spark into the Golden Knights on this night. You know, I'm so happy for him. He's going to be ripping on us the rest of the year talking about how easy it is to play forward. So, you know, I feel so happy for a guy to contribute like that in a situation, you know, that he probably just came to the rink and said, I'm just going to go out there and, and have fun. Like, probably felt like uh, going back to his childhood there, you know, not knowing really the structure and whatnot to play as a forward. But he did a great job. I thought not just his goal. I thought he was uh, really good all over the ice. And, uh, you know, exciting to see a guy like that pitching. So don't get it, don't get it twisted. The the fact that we're on this night praising the Golden Knights defense, 
the fact of the matter is, is that this defense is still struggling. Um, averaging 2.88 goals allowed in their last 18 games. Uh, they still need to address defense at some point, whether it be through free agency or whether it be through the draft. I just don't see any benefit of having to roll this unit out every night, especially if you're going to keep winning games but not get the result at the same time. That's where I think it benefits the Golden Knights the most is the fact that here we are, you know, more than halfway through the season, the Golden Knights now sitting in first place in the Pacific Division. You know their defense core is not that great, but they come out and they've been doing well. I I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, what their record has been uh, to this point, but you can see what this defense is capable of doing when it is um when it is clicking on all cylinders you look at Braden McNabb and i look at that 6 on 3 um made two huge plays first was the uh, the double pad stack uh, the impromptu double pad stack and then the poke check on Gustus Bear's uh, attempted shot uh, late in the third period. Those two were absolutely huge plays uh, to keep the game at a one-goal game. And then you have Shea Theodore kind of reviving his offensive game as of late, and he scored a goal on uh, on last night. So you have him going well. It was a rough night for Nate Schmidt. Uh, you know, I look at the uh, Konechny goal. That was not a good look. And to me... When you're talking about Nate Schmidt, you obviously want him to be a little bit better, especially on the defensive end. You can't allow a guy like Konechny, who is an all-star, to get around him and to just make fools out of everybody. Um, I think that he's very much capable of getting it going, and I think he definitely needs to be involved in the play a lot more, especially offensively. But... You know, you take what you can get with him, and as long as he's playing well with McNabb, which I think is should be the key evaluator, then I think they're going to be fine. Uh, and then Marilyn Holden remained the wild cards here. I mean, can you keep both of them? Can you get rid of one of them? Uh, especially while Nick Haig still has that potential that needs to be untapped. And you want to see what you can get for both of those, uh, from both of those guys. And if one of those do one of those players do become a, uh, a trade chip down the road, then who knows? You got, you, maybe you got something to work with, but there, there are a lot of wild cards. There are a lot of uh, interesting things going on there. Uh, but the defense has done enough to catapult the golden Knights into first place in the division, which is all you can really ask for at this point. And sometimes that's just good enough and you take it and you move on with it. So, um, big win there for the Golden Knights. It's, again, given the opponent, given the uh, just the overall knowing how important this game was. And the Golden Knights came out, and they did it, and they did well. So props to John Merrill. Props to everyone involved. They all had a great game. And just the whole, I re- really, I think the whole team for a whole, played pretty well with the exception of a couple of players, but to get a win like that against a team that has been kicking your ass in your own barn, 
you'll take that any day of the week. So good win for the Golden Knights there. All right, let's take one look around the league before we get out of here. And at first, before we get into the look around the league, um, huge shout out to everybody in Dallas who went to the Winter Classic. Um, I've talked before on this podcast about me being a Dallas Stars fan growing up. And obviously, when you're a Dallas Stars fan, one of the first things you see or one of the first things you hear is the crowd chanting for the Stars while Pantera plays. And to see 65, 70,000 Stars fans chant every time Dallas scored a goal to, uh, you know, cut from the four down to two nothing lead up to a four two victory, that that that's just incredible. That 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 whole scene gave me goosebumps, and the Stars are winners of the Winter Classic after a 4-2 victory over the Predators on New Year's Day on Wednesday. So I just wanted to make sure we acknowledge the Winter Classic and just how really how good it's been uh, to this point. All right, right, let's go around the league one time before we get out of here. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets keep on getting points, and I don't know how and I don't know why, but they are still getting points. Uh, 13-game point streak intact for the Blue Jackets after winning 2-1 in overtime over the Bruins. Uh, Boston is now on a 10-game point streak, um, but Pierre-Luc Dubois with the game-winning goal in overtime set up by the All-Star Seth Jones. Huge win for Columbus in Boston, and they've just they got everything going right now. They've got everything going right now. And if this is the uh, formula that gets Columbus into the playoffs post-Bob and post-Panarin, then more power to them. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres with a 3-2 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Eichel with a game-winning penalty shot in OT. 26 goals this season, 4-1 Mr. Eichel. And yeah, I mean, he has to be in the Hart Trophy conversation, right, if he isn't already? Yeah, big win for uh, Jack Eichel and the Sabres beating the division rival Oilers. Uh, the Lightning won 2-1 to one over the Canadians. The Sharks with a 3-2 victory over the Penguins. Uh, the New Jersey Devils win again, which is something I didn't think I'd be saying two weeks ago. But here they are, winning 4-5 after the Devils beat the Islanders 2-1. to one. Uh, Four or five wins at this moment for the Devils, which is very, very weird to say. Uh, the Panthers beat the uh, Senators 6-3. to The Maple Leafs beat the Jets 6-3. The Coyotes beat the Ducks 4-2. The Avalanche beat the Champion Blues 7-3. The Blues, again, will be in Vegas on Saturday. Probably a tad pissed off. And then the Vancouver Canucks, six straight wins. A 7-5 to victory over the Blackhawks. A crazy offensive explosion there. Four points for JT Miller, two goals for Bo Horvat, and the Canucks just keep on winning. And they're looking like the, right now the threat to the Golden Knights in the Pacific Division to this point. So that is going to wrap it up, everybody. Uh, again, a little bit later with the whole New Year thing and whatnot, but we do appreciate you listening and subscribing and downloading and all that jazz. Uh, thank you very much for that. We will be back tomorrow to discuss the Golden Knights and the Blues. Uh, Again, early starts. We'll get a chance to get an early episode in there. Uh, Should be a fantastic game. Looking very much forward to it, seeing if the Golden Knights can keep this homestand perfect 
against the Blues. So that'll do it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, again, downloading, supporting us, all that jazz. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights. And to start off your 2020, have a good one. (laughs) 